Thanks to Jane Street for sponsoring this video. Applications are open for the Jane Street Academy of Math and Programming. Fully funded positions available for high school students graduating in 2023. I am very impressed with the James Webb Space Telescope, partly the spectacular images it's taking of our universe and partly the spectacular geometry it's based on. A little model I made of the primary mirror or mirrors. They're all hexagons and you may have heard this said on the internet that hexagons are the hexagreatest. And I've seen better models than the one I made. I was at the Blue Dot Festival and I bumped into the folks from the University of Suffolk and they had made a giant model of this out of bathroom mirrors they bought from a hardware store. Very high tech. Although that said, they did give me uh, a little pin. I got like a little badge of uh, the primary mirror, which I'll pop on right now. There we go, look at that. All right, so space telescope, it's very cool. However, NASA, who are traditionally very good at, you know, spectacle and big reveals and, you know, dramatic emotional press conferences, they decided to announce the first ever, like, publicly released proper image from the James Webb Space Telescope by getting one 79-year-old guy named Joe talking to another 79-year-old guy named Bill. And now let's take a look at the very first image from this miraculous telescope. <laughs> NASA Administrator Nelson, I'm going to turn this over to you. So will you please tell us about what we're seeing? Mr. President, if you held a grain of sand on the tip of your finger at arm's length, that is the part of the universe that you're seeing, just one little speck of the universe. And what you're seeing there are galaxies. Uh, you're seeing galaxies that are shining around other galaxies whose light has been bent. And you're seeing just a small little portion of the universe. You know, a hundred years ago... Skipping over Bill's uninspired space ramble, I will say there is a grain of sand difference between this, the 2022 James Webb Space Telescope image, which was the first one revealed. We just saw it totally non-awkwardly put up on the screen and everyone eventually clapping in that press conference. And this image taken by the Hubble Space Telescope decades earlier. I mean, look at them. Look how wildly different they are. Obviously, that's... Oh, no, wait. They're the wrong way around. Sorry, wrong way. No, they weren't. They were the right way around the whole time. You can't tell. They have gone on to release all sorts of other spectacular images taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. I just thought it was a bit of a weird choice in the first press conference to have a shot that looks so similar to the one that came before it. I'm sure it's higher resolution, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that was very cool that I noticed, and the way you can tell these images apart, is the old Hubble shots, the stars, have four points. Whereas in the new James Webb shots, they have, well, eight points. Well, six, six points and two bonus points. The difference in those starry spikes or diffraction spikes, as they technically are, is down to two different parts of the geometry of the telescopes. And I think this is just so incredible. So this model I've made of the James Webb Space Telescope is to scale. Um, actually, it's roughly pi percent of the original, but that was by accident. But 
nonetheless very pleasing. And it's to scale compared to this. This is the mirror on the Hubble Space Telescope. It's about 2.4 meters across, and our friend here, James Webb, we're talking like six meters, like it's way, way bigger, and very different shapes. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors, different pretty much everything, because they focus on different wavelengths of light. However, what they do have in common, other than being in space, is they have a space. There's a hole right in the middle of both of them. Hexagonal for Webb and circular for Hubble. And that's because the way they focus the light coming from space onto the sensors to make an image is as the light comes out, I use one of the lights in the room here with me, hits the mirror, it then reflects it forward. So I'm gonna, actually I reckon I can aim that right at the camera, there you are. So I'm deflecting the light right towards the camera, but what actually happens is it hits another mirror out here, which again, made a scale model. So uh, this on the James Webb is about 74 centimeters across. The secondary mirror, this is the primary mirror, is circular. Classic. And that sits, oh, I don't know to scale how far out, but the light comes in from the stars, hits all of this, gets focused up onto this mirror, and then reflected back through the center, and then onto some sensors behind. And the same thing happens for Hubble. Oh, I've almost lost, there it is. <laughs> it's only 30 centimeters across. That is the secondary mirror for Hubble. The issue is somehow you've got to hold this mirror up in front of the primary mirror, but you don't want to block too much of the light coming in. Here's how they do it on Hubble. They have uh, two supports or four supports, depending on how you want to count them. However, when the light, the photons coming from these distant stars hit these supports, they diffract. The problem with photons behaving like waves in some situations, we're not getting into it, is when they hit an edge of something, they will diffract. And the amount they diffract depends on a bunch of physics things. But what it ultimately means is, if you've got a bunch of photons coming in, like from a point source, like a star, and then you've got a like vertical strut, they're gonna be diffracted out to kind of spread out side to side. They spread out at right angles to the edge, which is stopping them from carrying on as such. Not a physicist. Oh, I did marry one. So I think that's how it works. Anyway, so now if you've got the light from a single star coming into the Hubble, it's gonna go past these supports that way, I guess, right? And then each time it hits one of these, the light gets spread out side to side, but then it all gets focused back into the one point. And I don't wanna oversimplify what's going on here. But if you've got a star emitting light, it emits light in every direction. So if you look at a star, you're like, oh, I can see it from here. Oh, I can see it from here. I can see it from here because the light's going in every direction. But wouldn't it be great if you could get the light from here and the light from here and here and here and combine it all into one image? That image would be a lot brighter. That's what the mirror is doing. This is actually a paraboloid. I mean, I made it out of card, so it's not, but it's a Hubble. Close enough is good enough. And the paraboloid then focuses all the light in onto one point, which is basically collapsing the light from a big area down, which means it collapses the light, which has been spread out by this one. It's been diffracted this way. That gets overlapped with the light from this and the light from this and the light from this. And what you end up with is a cross-shaped, a, a four-point star starring effect on all point sources in the Hubble Space Telescope images.
The data taken for science purposes is obviously processed a bit different to the way that the data used for pretty image purposes is processed, and there are ways to mitigate and remove these starring diffraction patterns, but they are still a bit annoying. You can deal with it from a science point of view, and a lot of the images they release to the public, they leave it in. Looks kind of cool. So that's how that works on Hubble. But what's going on with Webb? Webb could just do the same thing as Hubble and stick this on some cross beams like that, hold it out the front. No worries, except Webb has some extra problems that Hubble didn't have, and that's down to the geometry, the hexagonal nature of the mirrors. Because Hubble had a single circular, like a one big disc paraboloid mirror, the mirror itself does produce some diffraction effects, but it's super symmetric, so it just kind of does it the same in every single direction. You don't get a starring effect, and what diffraction you do get, of course, once again, you can um, post-process the images to deal with it. Hexagons give you a different pattern. Side point, these hexagons aren't regular hexagons. They are designed to be part of, once again, a paraboloid shape, and there are three different types of hexagons in the James Webb Space Telescope. You've got type A, which are the six in the center. You've got type B, which are the six that poke out in the corners. And you've got type C, which are the ones that are kind of on the edges all the way around there. Each type is subtly different. And the point is they're all trying to get the light focused as neatly as possible, paraboloid style, onto the secondary mirror. But for all real intents and purposes, they're big old regular hexagons. And because they've got all these, you know, sharp edges and corners, they diffract the light different amounts in different directions. And actually, it's the hexagonal mirrors which give us those six big diffraction spikes we see in the images. But what about the supports? Well, they decided to use three supports when they were holding up the secondary mirror on the James Webb. And you could think, well, we'll just use one, minimize the impact. You don't want this mirror moving relative to these mirrors, right? You want to strap that thing down. So they're going to have three of them and then somehow, and there's no tube as well because they put the Hubble in a tube. This is very much a mirrors on show affair. There is a big shield to block it from the sun because if you're detecting infrared, you don't want to heat things up apparently, but the mirrors themselves are all just kind of joined together. So these supports come out from the primary mirror, well, around the edge, and they hold the secondary mirror up. And you think, well, where are we going to put them? What they decided to do was to hide them. They decided to hide the diffraction effects from the supports inside the diffraction effects from the shapes of the mirrors. Very clever. Right. The diffraction occurs around the straight edges of the mirror. So this straight edge here, it's going to cause the light from anything that hits it to kind of diffract out in this, this, you know, orthogonal direction to the edge of the mirror. And actually it's going to line up perfectly with the light that's diffracted off this one over here. So actually you get one diffraction line that way, you get a second diffraction line this way, and you get a third diffraction line this way. And I've only drawn one mirror, but all the mirrors all get overlaid as they focus the image. So the geometry of one is the same as geometry of all of them. And that's where the six, you know, really prominent spikes come from in the images. So now you want to put in a support such that you hide its diffraction spikes in some of these. Let's say we want to hide it in this one here. So if we want the diffraction spikes to go this way, the support has to be at right angles to that. It's got to be perpendicular to that. So it's got to be like, well, it's got to be here. 
but you can't, I mean, the support's not going to be out here obviously, it's going to be all the way over here attached to this. And so actually, the support's going to go straight down this way, that's at right angles there, straight down this way, and because of the geometry of the hexagon, they are after all the hexa greatest, it's going to go straight through that corner there. So actually they're at, from the up and down direction, they form an angle there of 30 degrees. You don't have to measure that though, because that 30 degrees just lines up with the corner. So as long as the support goes from the very center out to one of the corners, we should be good. You can then put another one over here, hide the second one there. That's also 30 degrees, believe me. And then for the third support, I mean, they could have done more supports and hidden them, but in the end they decided, eh, we just put the last support straight up and it's gonna have its own diffraction pattern coming off this way. And so that's why in the images, you see the six main ones from the shape of the mirror. These ones are hidden, and then a vertical support gives you those little bonus side-to-side -side ones. I mean, say side-to-side, -side, it's in space. Yeah. Right, I've attached the mirror to the three supports. I just need to stick it on to the primary mirror here. And what I'm gonna do is just line these two up with the corners there. Fold the other way around, stick to the top, done. Hold up like, okay, I think that's, yeah, look at that, that totally works. Now, I wanna make it very clear, while all the mirrors are themselves to scale with each other across both telescopes, this distance is not to scale. I didn't bother working out how far out this has to be, but you get the idea. So they've now got that one support at the top there, that's the one that gives you the horizontal star, horizontal. Uh, the side-to-side -side starring you can see in the images and these two ones down here Which as you can see are perfectly lined up with the corners give or take so oh, I'm on the wrong corners. <laughs> so I got to the wrong corners. This is why my wife is the space scientist who works on spacecraft and I work on arts and craft Okay Now There's the top one which gives you the side-to-side -side starring. And then you've got these two ones at the bottom here that stick on those corners there because they perfectly radiate from the center of that hexagon there. Um, and that's why, like unlike the perfectly equally spaced supports from the Hubble secondary mirror, you've got this weird slightly, not asymmetric, but you've got two at the bottom spaced out and one at the top, and it's because it hides a diffraction starring from these ones. Lovely. I mean, the mass is lovely, the, the model is adequate. Last point is that the diffraction spikes and all those aberrations do also depend slightly on which instrument is being used to record the data on the Webb Space Telescope. And there's actually a Python package which will show you all the theoretical uh, point spread functions for all the different instruments on the Webb. It's called Web PSF, a point spread function, you can install it. It's a little fiddly if you don't already have your computer set up for doing Astro Python things, but I got it working and you can have a bit of a play and look at, oh, just look at the pretty images. Look at them, ah, lovely. Finally, there is a ground-based telescope being planned where they're hey, gonna put the down here. for the secondary. Here. Sorry to interrupt, Future Matt here because Jane Street have open applications to their Academy of Math and Programming for 2023. This is for people who have had some kind of hardship in their education so far. And Jane Street are very broad 
with their definition of hardship. So do check out the website for details. This is for students who are finishing high school in 2023 and going on to study something math and programming related at university. It's a five week residential and Jane Street will cover all of your costs. So it's in New York, they'll get you there, they'll cover your food, your accommodation and give you a $5,000 scholarship. All of that on top of an amazing course where you learn math and programming and have some interesting guest speakers including this guy. I dropped by last time and you know I'll do it again. So if this sounds like a course that you would benefit from or you know someone who would benefit from it, importantly, they have to be able to work in the US without a sponsored visa because of all the money and support James Street are giving you. That's uh, one of the requirements from a visa point of view. But other than that, do check out the details, apply, and maybe you'll see me there. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so I'm gonna hand you back over now to past Matt and I don't know, whatever they're talking about, telescopes, blah, blah, blah. Finally, there is a ground-based telescope being planned where they're gonna put the supports for the secondary mirror positioned between, perfectly lined up with the gaps between the different sections of the primary mirror. Very clever. However, that's fine if you're building on Earth. If you're building something for space, that's a lot more complicated. Or indeed, just building a model of something in space. It's pretty advanced stuff. That's it, that's the video. Thanks for watching. Thanks to Will Roper from the University of Sussex for a bit of a chat with me about these things. And thanks to my wife for being a space scientist. No one sent her this video. A hundred years ago, we thought there was only one galaxy. Now, the number is unlimited. And in our galaxy, we have billions of stars or suns, and there are billions of galaxies with billions of stars and suns.